You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 113. You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures mate for life. But isn't that, like, cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by kinksters for kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts, Cassie and Rigel. So... Everybody, we hope you've been doing well. There's been absolutely nothing going on here since the last time we talked. <laughs> right. Right. God, what's the short version? Amanda's work had chaos. So Amanda's quarantining because they had COVID. They had so, a COVID outbreak in Amanda's work. Yeah. So Amanda's been quarantining, which has chopped down even more of our house into like a small little thing with me uh you know, being up all night with the baby on my own and... So basically, it's me and you that. and the teenager and a baby crammed into like... Three rooms. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're not counting the bathroom. I'm not counting the bathroom. Nobody. And you are counting there. the dining room. Then yes, three rooms. <laughs> so it's me, the teenager, and the baby have been crammed into three rooms, which has been quite interesting. And yeah. we've been down... You, We've been down a, a normal parent figure... And on top of that, uh, your parents who help with the baby a lot, they are separately quarantined for traveling out of state. So they're unavailable and the baby's been teething. Yes. We have new teeth. We have four. We have She's two. doing amazing though. It yeah. gets crazy. She went toddler overnight. So. Doing the cruising. How have, we been, the cruising. how have we been combining our poly powers to make this all work? So... I want to give a shout out to Man Cub. So Man Cub's been helping. Yeah. He's been helping. He's actually stepped up. Um, quite a bit. Quite a bit. Not bad for an angsty teenager. Yeah. I mean, he's 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 an angsty teenager, but he has He's been... an awesome kid. He's also an angsty teenager. Yeah. You he... can be both. They're yeah. not mutually exclusive. And he's been doing a really good job of trying to be helpful in the last week with everything. So there's that. Uh, but as far as poly powers combined... I think it looks like putting food for Amanda through the door right now. Yeah. I mean, well, there's been that. So there's been uh, me, like, as I'm making my food and things through the day, sticking it through to Amanda. So Amanda has food. Us swapping out baby a bit. Working around each other in interesting places because the normal place that we tend to work is where Amanda's quarantining. So that's where um, my office is. Yeah. And where we do most of our recordings. Yeah. And meetings and yeah, pretty much everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah, everything. Also where we work with our clients. You know, we, we do a lot of our uh, client calls in that room. So that room is where Amanda's quarantining. So we've been playing musical working spaces I feel like between like kitchen space and like bedroom and swapping out and things like that but so far everybody's healthy Amanda's rapid was negative your rapid is negative yes uh and then Amanda had a little symptom so she she got her ta her her 
other tests today. Yeah. You know, the other thing too, so we're waiting for that to come back, but you know, I do have to say, I feel like we navigated the discussions around that exposure uh, pretty well as far as that all went. Yeah. I mean, there was definitely a point where when Amanda first called me and she was talking to me, I was like, I need a break in this conversation for a minute. And I got off the phone with her and I was like, all panic. Ah! And then I was like, I got back on the phone and I was like, okay, however you want to handle this, I am 100% behind you. We'll figure it out and we'll go from there. But I did, I did have a moment where I was like, I'm going to have to get off the phone right now. I'm going to have to call you back here in five minutes and <laughs> had my own little man, mini panic attack with everything. But I think we, we handled it well. Especially because it wasn't, it's, it's funny because we've had so many conversations around exposure and negotiating things with like partners and friends and hanging out. And we never really had the, the like full conversation of like, so. A lot of it's been around like my trips and yeah. day-to-day stuff. Yeah, we never really in oversight had the conversation like what happens if a man has work has a COVID outbreak so that in retrospect was kind of a, <laughs> a failure to uh to plan there but you know us putting the skills that we have as far as negotiation and conversations and things like that us having those skills even when we didn't ha- we didn't it didn't plan turn into a it. thing i mean yeah. it's been a pain in the ass but it didn't turn into a thing yeah but i i believe that because we had those skills and those tools to deal with it, even for something that is unplanned. And I think that's a lot of times one of the conversations that we have with our clients is, you know, there are going to be circumstances in life that you're not prepared for, right, that are going to kind of come at you. And having the tools to deal with the unexpected is a tool of itself. No, that's true. And uh, we have also, oh, and Cassie, of course, has just been, you've been completely solid on the sexual satisfaction and through all this. So you're you're, you're perfectly great right now on that end. You're not Mm. climbing the walls. Everything's fantastic. And And I'm sleeping fantastically. Yeah, great. Your sleep is A plus. Yeah, I'm sex deprived and sleep deprived. Yeah, this morning when you took the baby, uh, literally, I fell asleep before you got out of the room. So <laughs> that's how I'm, I'm that doing. Out well. <laughs> Although I will say we have managed. And I'm pretty proud of this as well. In the midst of all of this craziness to complete like a month long project. And it took a lot of shuffling of the house mm-hmm. and time and stuff to make it happen. But I'm really actually glad that we did that. So, you know, probably a lot of you have seen the training that we did on how to build amazing open relationships. And that's a training we've been running for a long time, maybe two, two, years two and a half years yeah. now. Um, and, you know, people absolutely love it. And, like we get fantastic feedback all the time on it. And quite honestly, the, the, advice and the information there is still relevant. It's still better than honestly, most people's paid stuff, which is kind of amusing because it's free. But we were having the conversation over the last little bit of just how much more we've learned over the last two and a half years of 
helping polyamorous people transform their relationships full time, of helping people get out of the arguments, of helping people reconnect, of helping people navigate non-monogamy, whether they've been doing it for 10 years already or, you know, they're brand new to the, you know, they, they've been in a relationship for a while and now somebody's realized they're polyamorous. And we were having the conversation a while back, like, what are the principles that we use when we're working with our clients that let them transform their relationships, even when, you know, they may have been through like five years of trying and multiple counselors and therapists and all kinds of stuff before. And how can we extract those and do a new training for folks that really walks people step by step through like the foundational principles that nobody really knows or thinks about that allow our clients to completely transform their relationships like that. And I have to say, after a whole month of putting it together, uh, I don't care that we finished it in the middle of craziness in our house. It is fantastic. I think it's great. And I, I'm just going to like say it. The slides look amazing. And the information is just it is stuff that you do not want to miss out on. So it is definitely something that you want to take the time to like sit down, watch, bring your partner, your partners, and really dive into because it is just fantastic. Yeah, like I said, this is this is kind of the distillation of, I mean, obviously it's not like you watch it and you learn everything our clients learn. That would be impossible to do. But it is the distillation of, the ways that when we're working with our clients, they have to change the way they change the way that they think about their relationships and the way that they approach their relationships in order to, you know, get to a place where they're back in love. You know, they're feeling like best friends again. They have that security back. They're out of the stress and the arguments and they're back to things being easy and fun. And uh, it's just completely transformative and their principles that I guarantee you haven't heard anywhere else, or even if you may have heard the general gist as far as the actual, uh, how to put it into effect and how we use it when we're working with people is going to be totally different. So, uh, it will be one of the most productive hours you've spent on your relationships and it's free. So if you don't watch it, you're really depriving yourself of uh, something that could completely transform your relationships. So listen, uh, you can you can watch that if you want. We have a special link set up for people who are listening. So if you go to atouchofflavor.com forward slash pillars, P-I-L-L-A-R-S, right? Like a pillar, like the pillars of a good relationship, atouchofflavor.com forward slash pillars, you can find the next time that that training is going on and go ahead, sign up, make it, hop in, and you are going to be really glad that you did. And it kind of ties into the topic for today, mm -hmm. which is I had wanted to, so it has been a little crazy here, but I had wanted to share an off-the-cuff thing I did a while back that's kind of like a public service announcement in a way that's called there's nothing wrong with you. And I think this is really important because I think a lot of times when we look at other people 
and they have the relationships that we want, but we don't have them, or we're struggling in our relationships, or, you know, everybody sees us one way, but we feel like a fraud. You know, it's so natural to think that there's something wrong with us. And I just really had wanted to spend a little time debunking that because so many people are in the spot of just feeling like awful about themselves and awful about their relationships instead of understanding, you know, what's really going on. And it's not that something's wrong with you. Right. So I think we're going to hop into that and uh, we look forward to seeing you next time when hopefully life will be a little more back to normal and we won't be recording not on our normal equipment and not our normal place <laughs> with potentially you can hear the baby yelling in the background while man cubs watching her. Yeah, hopefully everything will be back in order and we'll be heading into holiday times. So. We will be. Maybe we'll be doing something holiday-ish. Hmm. Awesome. So, everybody, thanks for joining us. Take care out there. The world's getting a little crazy again. So make sure you're taking care and staying safe. And we will talk to you soon. But right now, let's go ahead and hop in to the topic for the day. Hey there, everybody. Good morning or whatever it is, wherever you're at in the world. So I just wanted to hop on real quick here for a few minutes. We've been getting a lot of questions again in the last week about therapy. And specifically, many of you have heard me talk before now when I'm talking about therapy, I'm talking specifically about relationship therapy or relationship counseling or whatever it's called, uh, wherever you live, whatever it's called. And uh, we've been getting a lot of questions about it lately. Again, how effective is it? What should you look out for X, Y, and Z? And this is something we've talked about a lot before, but since we're getting so many questions, I just wanted to hop on, take a couple minutes on this again, and then I'm going to point you to some links in the description here when I'm done, and I'll tell you what those links are and which ones I really recommend you look at as we go through here. Okay. But here's the thing, first off, and I just want to say this to anybody who's asking this question, anybody who's going to relationship therapy, you're a superhero. Anybody who tries, who puts in the effort to make changes in their relationships, anybody who cares enough about their relationships to go, to find a therapist, to make the time to go there, to take the emotional energy and all that, right? To take the money, all that. Like you're really showing that you care about your relationship and you're taking a stand for your relationship. And I absolutely honor you for it, 100%. At the same time though, if you're putting in that emotional energy, if you're investing that money, more importantly than anything, if you're investing that time, that time in your relationships, the however long, however many months or years or whatever, you're investing in your relationships where you're going and you're bringing stuff back and you're working and you're trying to improve things and anything, I want to make sure that you're actually getting the results that you're looking for. And again, that's why this is such an important topic. The thing about this that's interesting is I didn't go into the work that we do here with any particular opinion on couples therapists. And you may have heard me say this before. Cassie and I, part of our whole journey here was trying to find relationship help for ourselves and realizing that when you're building relationships outside of the box, there's not a lot of good help. And that was part of our journey here. But that was never something that I really generalized going into this work. Like I always figured, okay, like we had 
some not great experiences, even with really well-meaning people. We had a lot of people who didn't understand non-monogamy, but that was us. And yeah, it may be harder to find those people, but really at the end of the day, that was our experience. And yet the more I do this and the more we work with folks day in and day out, and the more we help people change relationships and the more every day I get on the phone with folks who have been in couples therapy for months and years, who have gone through multiple therapists, X, Y, and Z, unfortunately, the more opinionated I get and not in a good way. Cassie and I, it's interesting the timing of this topic coming up. Cassie and I, this past weekend, we were out with Amanda and with the little one, and we were going on a hike. You know, as as happens, because we live and breathe this stuff and relationships, and this is what we do all day, every day, wound up talking about relationships and wound up talking about somebody that I'd been on the phone with here just a little bit ago, who once again, talking to somebody who their relationship's struggling, they're arguing all the time, they're on the brink of breaking up, and they've been going to couples therapy for like a year. And they've made just the tiniest little bit of progress, but they're still stuck. And now they don't know how much longer they're gonna be able to be together. And I was telling Cassie, I said, it's astounding to me. For as much as we venerate couples therapists, for as much as when we're having problems in our relationships, that tends to be the first place we go. And when I say we, I mean, including us, like I said, it, it astounds me that we have this whole job description where they're our default, where we talk about it so much, where it's so culturally normal that when our relationships are going poorly, we go to couples therapists. And yet it gets such awful results for people. Like it's just astounding to me that this is the thing that we do when the results that we get are so bad. And we were discussing why, why that is. Why is it that it's not weird to go to couples therapy for a year and be hardly anywhere different than you were when you started? Why is that not more of a problem than it is? And Cassie was recounting to me a conversation that she had a while back with a therapist who is a couples polytherapist. They had been involved in, in a discussion talking about what they do and how they work with people. And Cassie had said to her, you know, I don't, this is a really interesting discussion because you seem really reluctant to actually give people any advice on what they should do. And the therapist said, yeah. We can't tell people what they should do. We have to let them figure that out on their own. And Cassie said, okay, but if they were gonna figure this out on their own, why would they be coming to you asking you for help? Don't you think they're coming to you so you can tell them what steps they need to take forward because they don't wanna figure it out on their own. And this therapist said, it's not just even that. It's not just even that that's how we operate, that that's our, our strictures that we go by is we're not allowed to tell people what to do. But think of the liability. As a therapist, if I tell somebody, what if I tell somebody to do something and it turns out down the road that maybe for whatever reason that didn't work for them, like they could come back and sue me. Of course you can't tell people what to do. Think of the liability of that. And Cass and I were talking 
like I said, on this hike, because again, this is what we live and breathe day in, day out, and this is what we do. And I said, you know, that there is one of the big problems here. So really, for those of you who are here, and I'm, I'm going to wrap that back around, there's really three things. For those of you who are looking at couples therapy, I'm a big fan, and you'll hear this in other things and some of the other things I'm going to link to. I'm a big fan of going to therapy to address places that you've run into trauma or challenges in your life, things where you're suffering mental health issues, all these things. But the unfortunate truth, like I said, is that for couples therapy, for all that we tend to venerate and hold up couples therapy, the results that we get are just, that people get are just absolutely awful 99% of the time. And I say this as somebody who spends all day, every day on the phone with people who are struggling in their relationships, who are trying to improve relationships, and most of whom have tried couples therapy. And there's really three reasons. And I'm just going to give this a quick sum up of where people run into challenges with couples therapy. And then I'm going to give you these links because I really think a lot of this is stuff that we've covered in depth before. And I really think that you should look at some of those links. So the first problem is just how hard it is to find good help in anything, period. Anytime that you're looking for help with something, with anything in your life, there's always a million people you can find and only a tiny percentage of them who are good. So the first, actually the first two problems with couples therapy aren't a therapy specific problem. They're just a relationship help problem, period. It's so hard to find no matter what you're looking for. There's a million people you can find to help you with something. There's only a tiny percentage that are really the best at what they do and are really going to get you the kind of results that you want and you deserve. So that's the first problem. And it is exasperated a little bit with therapy because therapists can't share client testimonials. They can't share the results of the people they've worked with. So you have no idea what kind of results this particular person you're talking to is getting for people. So that does make it a little more difficult. It's not like us where you can go to our, our stories page and see videos of all these clients we worked with talking about the transformation they've had. You're taking it on a wish and a prayer that this person actually helps people change. So the first, like I said, is just a problem of how hard it is to find good help anywhere in your life. The second piece, part of that is when you're non-monogamous, of course, also then finding somebody who is not just good, but also good at helping people who are like you, because that's also hard. The second piece, and again, this isn't actually a therapy specific problem. This is, this could be a relationship therapist. This could be a relationship coach. But the second piece with this is anytime you're going about making relationship changes incrementally, anytime you are looking at taking months or years to shift a relationship. And that is the typical therapy model. That's even the typical way a lot of other relationship experts work with folks. We're going to work on this relationship for an hour a week or two hours a week, and maybe over some months you get where you want to go. And there's a whole set of challenges with that. We talk about the concept of relationship inertia and how relationships tend to move and how they tend to need big kicks to get them shifted in different directions and how they tend to shift and stay. I'm going to give another video on that because that's a whole nother topic. But the second piece, again, not specific to therapy, but has to do with this concept of this kind of slow incremental change that ignores the way relationships work and the way changing relationships work and the way relationship inertia works. And if you want to learn more about that, again, I'll link. We just did a whole video on that recently. And the last piece is what I said. It is that piece of you're going to somebody, you're going to somebody because you need help. You're going to somebody because you don't know what to do. And they're handicapped because they can't actually tell you what to do. 
and they can give you a place to vent and they can talk about your past. But at the end of the day, when it comes to taking steps forward to getting a path forward to making a plan to move forward to get out of the arguing or the disconnection or to navigate through the jealousy or whatever it is that you're facing they can't tell you what to do and that last piece really is a therapy specific problem and it was summed up so well that word handicapped by a recent client of ours if you've seen matt and elizabeth's interview here there are a couple here recently they were couple clients of ours who went through, who worked with us, who had been to a couple of uh, couples therapists. And we were talking on their interview that they did for us here a little while back and asking them why they thought that hadn't worked. And one thing that Elizabeth said that really stuck with me is that at the end of the day, as well-meaning as therapists are. And, and I truly believe that. I truly believe that anybody who gets in to doing couples therapy or any kind of therapy or any kind of help for relationships, period, most people are doing it because their hearts are in the right place. They're doing it because they want to make a change and they're doing it because they want to be able to help people. And in a way, like I, I feel bad, like it has to really suck to be in a place of going into stuff, wanting to help people, but then not being able to actually give them the steps that they need to take. But more than feeling bad for them, I more feel bad for the people who are going to see these people and looking for advice that they can't get and staying stuck in their relationships. And what Elizabeth had said was she thinks that the biggest reason that they ran into challenges with, with going to therapists was that the therapists were handicapped. They couldn't really share their own experiences. And more importantly, they couldn't really give a direct plan on how to move forward. I think those are the three big things when you're talking about therapy. And so here's what I'm going to do. Because like I said, if you're in the spot where you're asking these questions about therapy, whether it's because you're looking at couples therapy because you're already going, like I said, you are a superhero in my book. Anybody who is putting in the work, who is making the changes because their relationships are important enough to them, deserves to have help that's actually working. They deserve to actually put in that effort and put in that time and invest those opportunities really at the end of the day is what you're talking about. The opportunities over what the next year of your relationship could look like, the next 10 years of your relationship could look like while you're trying to get this fixed. And if you are enough of a hero to be putting in the effort for this, you really deserve to actually see those changes and that transformation in your relationship. And so this is a topic you should really look into before picking people to help you with your relationship. So I'm going to link three videos, at least three, I might come across a couple more down below. And if this is a topic that you're interested in, I really recommend you look at them. If you're thinking about getting relationship help, I really recommend you look at them. One, the first one I'm going to link to is called Why We Hate Therapists. And if you're not going to watch any of the other ones, I really recommend you watch that. It's really our sum up of what you should be looking for in a relationship expert. And the name's slightly facetious but give it a watch. It'll be worth your time. And I'm going to link a couple of other videos as well. One called It Doesn't Take Years to Change a Relationship, which talks about this relationship inertia concept I just described and how it's actually more difficult to try and fix a relationship over a long period of time than to put in the same amount of work up front and create that transformation and then keep things good. And I'll link a couple of other things as well. Okay. And listen, at the end of the day, if you have any questions about any of this stuff, or if you have any questions about picking somebody to help you with your relationships or whatever the case, reach out. One of the admins, shoot over PM. You can set up a call with us. 
we can talk about what's going on and what a path forward might look like. That link as always is a touchedflavor.com forward slash talk. I'll pop it up here real quick. But just really, like I said, if you're going through this, if you're showing up, if you're putting in the effort, if you're investing the time and the money and the emotional energy to fix your relationships, really this is something do your research on. Do your research on how to find somebody and then do your research on actually finding somebody and make sure that you're getting the right help for you, the right help for the kind of life that you're living. And really at the end of the day, the help that's going to actually get you where you want to go after you put in all that work and all that effort. All right. Like I said, if you want to talk to us about it, it's a touchflavor.com forward slash talk. Go through those. If you have any questions, comment, reach out for a call, whatever. We're happy to answer them for you. All right. Have a great, what day is it now? Here. Wednesday? Have a great Wednesday, folks. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask, or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF1. 